We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Bucks won a f***ing NBA championship. Yeah! What? What? He tries to take a pulse, baby. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this, I, I'm not going to say it. That sounds too good. That was good. Roll on. No, 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 no. The Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network. Bucks rotation mapping out crossover episode. I am Ty Windish of the Eurostep Podcast. Joining me from across the pond is Adam McGee, host of the Win in Six podcast, who, I don't know, have you have you been chopping at the bit to deliver some more Bucks takes, Adam? I know we heard from you, of course, the Damian Lillard trade pod, which was blissful. And then, you know, some Brewers stuff going on. We don't have to talk too much about that mm. right at the moment. But, you know, Bucks, Bucks are exciting, right? Right, Adam? Right? Please? Yeah, the books are exciting. Like uh, preseason books isn't exciting. No, but I don't, yeah. like that. It doesn't matter what trades you pull off. Preseason is preseason, but we're getting very close to the real deal. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk books. Um, Jordan and I will be returning into a regular groove very soon. It's that time of year where we tend to do a bit of crossover content. Mm-hmm. We'll have another episode planned out as usual, and then I think people can look forward to weekly win and six to to complement Eurostep and we'll be full seam ahead with the books. But yeah, it's been an interesting start to life, I think, with Dame for the books. I've been in and out. So uh, last night's game of the Thunder was the first game I got to watch in full, uh, which was unfortunate in some ways. Yeah, <laughs> It's the worst one but of the bunch. It, but it's, it's nice to see some of the kind of kinks being ironed out and starting to imagine, okay, what will this team look like? While at the same time, I'm always in this position, but I think even more so this year with a new superstar point guard, with a new head coach, preseason is preseason, and we're not really going to know until the lights are on for real. And honestly, I think this season, we should probably be prepared for it to take a little bit more time. And that could even be maybe they, well, surprise me somewhat and come out of the gate red hot and everything starts to mesh together. I think even if that's the case, though, we're still a while away from seeing anything like what this book team can be this year. So I think that would be my thing at the moment is they do look like a team that on a lot of fronts might just take a little bit of time to click into what they want to be and what they can be. But there's a lot to be excited about in the meantime. Yeah, I think that's correct. And I think 
Although I stand by, you know, there's been like this idea from national NBA people that, oh, they're going to, it's going to be a slow wins year because they have to get used to each other. I still don't buy into that. Like, I still think the talent's just going to be enough that they're going to win a ton of games. Like, I think top two, top three in the East should certainly, I wouldn't even say goal. I think that should be the expectation for this team, especially when you look around at the rest of the conference, you know, a team that you'd expect to factor in there. Philly is... You know, James Harden is there, but not doing anything like we don't have to go through that whole mess right now. Like, I, I don't think there's that many teams in the East that should have more wins than the Bucs. I think realistically, Boston and Cleveland are both set up to win a lot. I think, you know, the Bucs should should be right there with those two teams, if not ahead of those two teams as they were last season, uh, even without Chris for so many games. But I do agree with your point, though, that we won't see a fully optimized version of this team probably until closer to playoffs. I just think it's going to be a huge adjustment. It almost sounds silly, but I think we've seen it from like the Giannis and Dame partnership. I think it's going to take time for Giannis to be used to being open. Like there were moments, especially in the, the Lakers game, where they run an action together and he has the ball. And it's, I don't want to say short circuits, but he's kind of just like, oh, there's too many options. It's too many options. What do I do? He's, he stalls because he's never had that before. And even with that, I think there'll be some evolution out like that. Basically, to open up that game against the Lakers is kind of hilarious, and I think it'll be funny to look back on. But that is the problem the books are posing, and teams are going to have kind of overreactions to that extent. I think as we see the season go on, obviously, there'll be something of a happy medium that opponents will come to that will just give a little bit more balance. But there's no there's no good solution for defending that. So he is going to have lots of space, and there'll be times where Dame has a lot of space. I think that's from what I saw of the Lakers game and certainly from the Thunder game. That is as much an adjustment as anything. I think Giannis having the ball and it kind of Dame being in a position where if it was Drew last year, you may not be as eager to kick the ball out to him. Um, I, I think that's just going to be something that will take time in its own right of like, yeah, the space over there and, and the shooter you have over there is Damian Lillard. So there's a lot of that, which is just, it's going to take time. And that's on top of what's being kind of fed in in terms of new ideas from Terry Stotts offensively and just Adrian Griffin's ideas more generally on how the books are going to play this year I'm curious on this is something that I think we can kind of talk about now and then it it necessarily it won't necessarily stay the same through to the end of the season and as the playoffs approach you may feel differently I really do feel like I'm fine if the books are fourth in the east I know you've run through where they should be it's hard to see where they wouldn't be but I think we finally got to a place where even more so now what Dane brings to the roster and how the roster is constructed, they have built this team to have big time shot makers, playmakers that are going to win you playoff games. That's what the addition of Dame I, more than anything is designed to do is to get them over the edge at that point. I'm not really scared of the books kind of working their way into this. If it is a little bit slower than usual, and being in that kind of spot. I know we've gone through the ups and downs of this, of the Bucks being the dominant one seed, of them being a little bit less off of it. We've seen, I mean, they won a championship from not being a dominant one seed. But I do think even after last year and now into a season, which it's full of change. And I mean, we're going to talk a lot about uh, Giannis and Dame here, but Chris is still very slowly working his way back. And everything that everyone says is, oh, great. You know, in game one regular season, he's going to be good to go. He's kind of missed, you know, nearly all preseason. So I I feel like he's going to be slow working his way back into like if there are adjustment periods for a variety of reasons, and if the books don't quite look like the regular season books we've seen before, 
I don't think I care this year. As long as we get to see the team have the highs, if there are moments, their signature games, you're like, yeah, that's how scary this team can be, will be. That's why you go and get Damian Lillard. I'll be pretty content to go with, okay, this is what the books have got and put them against anyone in the East come playoff time. I'll be more okay with it if Cleveland ends up one, if Milwaukee's four. I don't want Boston in the second round. I hate that. I hate when that series happens that way. I know it worked for them in 21s. Maybe I should want that. Mm-hmm. I just don't like – it's so anticlimactic to have the 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 big smackdown in the second round of the playoffs. I, I don't care. I, yeah. if, if you come true that series, I don't care when it will be. That's fair. I mean, um, I, I do. I want to. I do want Boston in the playoffs. I do, and I think I think Bucks fans should. And I've been easiest path guy before. I want to beat this. I want the Bucks to beat the Celtics. I shouldn't say it like I'm on the team, but I, I really want the Bucks to beat the Celtics in this playoffs. I have a hard time believing they'd be able to get to the finals without doing so anyway. But I I want that. I I think it's just. I personally want to move away from that game where we've played and we've done it a lot over the years and yeah. the Heat give us more reason than ever to kind of, depending how their regular season goes, and they're always a wild card in that front to be like, okay, what are the matchups? Where are the Heat going to fall? Where are the Celtics going to fall? That would be the best benefit of finishing fourth. There's just no way you're playing the Heat in the first round. They're, they got to well, probably fight through the play-in. But you just you just got to go and be the best team you can be. Yeah, I, I think at, at this point, like that, that has to be, I know we're a long way, long, long way off from worrying about matchups. Yeah. But one of the things mindset wise, I'd want the books to go into the season is we just need to work ourselves out. Mm-hmm. And then on a night to night given basis, we can go and beat anyone in front of us. Yeah. hundred percent. Anyway. So let's get to, do you have more Giannis? And I mean, I think it's, I think clearly my Giannis and Dame thoughts so far through the two games that they've played together is like, yeah, it's going to work so well. And it's They just have to get used to each other. I don't think it's a hard adjustment. I literally just think it's going to take more reps and more of getting used to what to do. Like, you know, Giannis missing Malik Beasley wide open in, in the corner behind him. Like when they've run this play or this action 50 times, he's going to start to hit that pass. I mean, it's just, I, I don't think he was joking after the game. And I, I know people reported it as like kind of a joke after the Lakers game. When he was like, I haven't been this wide open in five to seven years. Like I, I've watched most of those games. He oh, hasn't been he hasn't been that open in five to seven years. Like it, it's never happened. I also this is something I'm interested to track. The two games they played are both against Western Conference teams, and they've both doubled and trapped Dame. I wonder if it's gonna flip flop back and forth. Like when they play East teams, are they gonna overload Giannis and give Dame more space? And our West teams who are used to Dame going to give Dame more of a hard time? Because it is, like, again, after Giannis said after the Lakers game, it is, like, eye-opening how much, even with Giannis on the floor, these teams have been, like, the, the Grizzlies and the Lakers have been, like, we're not giving Dame anything. We've seen this before. He's seeing two all the time. I didn't expect to see it that aggressive just to start. And I think the Bucks will get good enough at countering that, that teams won't be able to do so so blatantly. Because again, I just I can't believe that you know a month from now, Giannis in a four on three situation isn't just totally devastating. And it, it was good. I mean, I think Dame Giannis pick and roll was like one point four plus points per possession that first game. It's not like they were bad, but I think it's going to be like, oh, we just can't ever let that happen soon enough. Um, and I would expect Dame's numbers to go up along with that. Uh, outside of also just like. You know, he hasn't been playing and he had to get up to speed and he's getting used to new teammates and all that stuff. I, I, I don't think anyone is, but no, you shouldn't be worried about Damian Lillard not being good anymore. 
and part of it is always going to be what it does for Giannis. Giannis looks incredible. Like Giannis is the biggest winner of this trade, and I think will be proven to be longer term. Because even in kind of painting that picture you're painting there, I think you're right. Like in the East, even just personnel wise, he is more likely, Giannis is more likely to be the subject to double teams because there are a number of teams with like really big defenders and kind of strong switchable defenders who it makes sense to focus a lot of your attention on Giannis. Um, and if that's the case, well, Giannis has been seeing those double teams for years anyway, and he hasn't had Damian Lillard one pass away. So I, I just think that's that's a big game changer in its own right. Like that would essentially be, oh, nothing changes in terms of how teams defend the books, but the books now have Damian Lillard, which I think we'd all say, yeah, that seems like a win. I do think for Dame, there is a real adjustment though. And it does come from, obviously, he's had a weird off season and all of the uncertainty around that. And it's the deal happened quite late. So he didn't necessarily get to kind of ramp up in a way that you would see as ideal. So there may just be some of that that's just conditioning and kind of, basketball shape and just really getting your feel and ramping up to a season he really has never played I know he keeps saying I've never played with anyone like Giannis and that's because no one like Giannis really exists but CJ McCollum is not that's not an experience of playing with someone like Giannis so he is gonna have a lot less of the ball and there are possessions where he's not touching the ball um, they will continue to happen there should be much fewer of them as the Bucks get used to playing with him and he gets used to playing with his teammates but that is something that just it would never have happened. It couldn't have happened in Portland. And I do think that's something which could take time. It could take quite a lot of time. That doesn't mean that he's not going to score like a really efficient 20 points most nights and have probably more assists than he's ever had just for all the simple assists he'll have to Giannis even. But I, I do think he is the player who is going to have to adjust. And it's probably worth keeping in mind because he's going to have to get used to his new teammates, his new surroundings, everything else on top of that. Yeah, I was really pleased with how much he moved off the ball, especially in the first game. The second game, they staggered him and Giannis more, the Thunder game, and he was on ball a bit more. And honestly, kind of just a jump. I mean, Robin Lopez just killed the game flow of that. And then it was him or Thanasis, like basically the whole game, and and that was rough. Um, we'll get to rotations and why we, we hope to not see those guys at all in uh, games that count. But um in the first game when he played with Giannis a lot Dame was really I thought did a good job moving off ball for a guy who presumably has not had an opportunity to do that very much at all and I think everything he says and what we've seen as well he's clearly bought into that like I don't think this is a situation where he's going to be you know the James Harden oh I don't have the ball I'm just going to stand here and not do anything he seems really bought into these off ball actions and I do think they're going to really try and weaponize his gravity not just spam him on the ball which is the right thing to do I think that makes you a more dangerous team and also you know he's going to continue to do some pick and rolls with the the Bucks bigs and he needs to work on that and they just need to work on it together like Giannis talked about at media day but it's not like Dame himself needs a ton of practice just like how do I run a pick and roll like Dame knows how to run a pick and roll. So I think working on more of that regular season stuff, well, without totally neglecting the pick and rolls that are going to be a crunch time staple for sure for the team is the right tactic for Giannis. I mean, he just looks so energized, so dominant, even more than usual out there. I, I pulled it up in the two preseason games. He's averaging 17 points in 20 minutes, 
shooting 68% from the field, which even for Giannis is pretty sensational. It helps that he is one for two on threes. And he is, I won't even say, I won't even say the third part of the shooting line. I'm not even going to do it. But like the possessions, I mean, the way he's just yamming on people, part of it too, I wonder, is like the real offseason and the knee cleanup. It, does that have him feeling more better physically too? Because some of the dunks in preseason, like, He's just been all over the rim and just exploding and, and through, you know, big defense. I mean, Chet's not strong, but Anthony Davis, too, like really just like he's been unstoppable. And it's got it's got to be so exciting for him to be like, oh, we can like by default, I can get the ball in a one on one this close to the rim where I'm a threat to do this. Like he is going to have such a good season, man. It's going to be so exciting. I'm still not going to talk about MVP or any of that stuff. I, I think likely they'll both be too good yet Dame and Giannis and take it away from each other which is fine by me but the way Giannis has looked I mean maybe he could still get into that conversation because he has just been unbelievable uh, I really on both ends but especially offensively I feel like the point guard historically always has to take something of a step back when two guys team up like this so I, I do think that is just for Dame numbers wise he'd be out of that conversation it's not impossible for Giannis I don't think it matters. I don't think Giannis cares. I don't think we care. Like we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I, I echo what you said. I think physically he looks great. Even the couple of blocks he had against the Lakers, they're like full extension. Um the Christian Wood one in particular. Like that's that's something that it's not like Giannis wasn't making big blocks last year, but they kind of look like the Giannis of three years ago in terms of the the kind of extension, the athleticism of some of that. I guess he's probably just energized by all of this too. And really good timing. He's come into the regular season because we all talked about it. And I think we're grateful for Damian Lillard in terms of just mixing us up. It was going to be a grind. We've been through this before, but you've gone through this crushing playoff disappointment and nothing matters until you get back there as a player to go into a new season like that. That's tough. I think in its own right, that was probably a reason to make a change with the head coach so that you've got new ideas, you've got a new energy, and guys have to lock in and refocus. Um, bringing in a, a new starter into the mix and it being a player of Lillard's caliber, I think that that further fuels that, where Giannis just looks like, yeah, I'm ready to go. He's even he's posting to that extent. Um, so I I really think Giannis is going to hit the ground running in a pretty phenomenal way. And I think he already looks great in, in preseason. I'm prepared to give Lillard a lot of time because I think he is going to look very good in terms of what he's helping the books to do without necessarily putting up the numbers everyone's used to. And I think that's just something that people should probably just put to the side now because this is very different. You can't do what he did in Portland when you're on a team with Giannis. I'm with Chris. I'm with Brooke as well. And now with someone like Malik Beasley, how he's going to shoot, and you have Bobby Portis off the bench. Like, this is a very different proposition to the kind of teams where Dame had to really carry the offense. So I, I think it's important right now to kind of get the idea of, well, what, what will Dame's numbers look like out of the way and focus more on what will the books numbers look like? What is he going to do for their offense? How is it all going to mesh together? And that seems to be the mindset Dame has too. Like he's done all the stuff individually. He's gone. He's been the star guy. He's here to win. End of. He's here to win a championship. I know we're spoiled with Giannis, so we're probably used to this, but Dame's approach and candor has just been so awesome. Like, I don't think you could ask for anything. Does anyone even remember that it was like, oh yeah, I want to go to Miami. I'll only play him. Like from the second he arrived, all of that was just like, 
like it hasn't come up. It's 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 beyond clear that he's excited and locked into this opportunity. Like there were ways that even like the trade could have gone wrong. I remember I think I saw you tweet that day of like when when the report came out about Dame or he put out something. You're like, okay, that's we needed to see that too. Right. Like there, there, like there, it was more tenuous than I think it or it seemed like it could have been tenuous. And everything that's come out of Dame since has been not only, you know, do, are we are we so far beyond that whole deal? It's like everything he said about the team, his goals, his mesh, Damian Lillard going to Chris Middleton and being like, hey, how can I accommodate you? Like he just seems like such a perfect mesh for this Bucks team and just like. Outside of Giannis himself, I don't know how many other superstars you could drop in that are this frictionless. He's a so no-nonsense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, but he's a, a no-nonsense basketball for a superstar. Like, yeah. There aren't that many of those around the NBA. He's been that his entire career. And I wasn't I wasn't concerned. I know the day of the trade, there was a lot of chatter. I saw lots of tweets about, well, what if... Well, if this and of course Heat fans are really excited about oh, the prospect yeah. that he he'd refuse to report, which he was never going to do. No, he's a smart guy and he wants to win basketball games. Uh, he might have wanted to live in South Beach and be on a good team there. I think he pretty quickly realized, as basketball situations go, this is one of the best he can hope for for the rest of his career. Yeah, that's as simple as that, and it's it's been the case. Like, <laughs> I think it's worth different guys, different situations. It is worth looking back to Drew Holiday arriving and immediately being like, yeah, I want to be here for the rest of my career too. Guys get to the books, they see Giannis, and they're like, I'm onto a good thing here. And I think Lillard is no different in that. I mean, you look at what he's missed out on his entire career. I think he he probably wanted to go east. I think if he'd landed in the west somewhere, may not have been crazy about that. It's as good a basketball fit as he could hope for. And by everything, obviously his own words have backed that up. But even it was the Chris Haynes article that came out talking about how kind of the books and the Nets being the other 
the other team that were put out there as places that he was like, yeah, I could go there. If you're putting them out as your other destination, there's no doubt which of those is the better basketball option too. And I think in terms of you want to win a championship, look, he might have got the best of the Bucks last year and it's been a back and forth rivalry in recent years. If you look at the rosters and you're adding Dame Lillard to one, there's no comparison. The Bucks are the best basketball fit. They give you the best chance to win a championship. So I don't think there's a lot for him to be unhappy about in reality. And I think oh, that's yeah. he, he has kind of embraced it like that in a way that is unsurprising because if he was ever going to leave Portland, it was because he wanted to go and win a championship. Now he's going to have a better chance of that than he, he could possibly have had maybe anywhere else. I totally agree. I just think the way he's knocked it out of the park and what we've heard from him is just the way his and Giannis is bro. Did you see the the video I shared about Dame and one of his answers about like, you know, the adjustment process said it might take me getting mad at Giannis. Mm-hmm. And they asked Giannis, he goes, and Giannis is like, no, no, no. I would no. never be mad at him. I was like, oh, I love these guys. Anyway. Um, I think but, if, uh, Giannis will be mad at him and they'll be mad at each yeah, other. Yeah, it's yeah, just, it's, it's a funny insight into how Giannis's brain still works. Yeah. The idea that he'll never be mad. But I, I think Dame, that's a slightly more experienced player. He's probably actually right there. Yeah. I mean, Dame also maybe on more teams that, had guys getting mad at each other, given how the way That's things true. were going as well. Uh, but no, I'm not, yeah, I, I think they'll probably have their little disagreements as teammates do. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge deal, though. That's for sure. Let's move on to the second leading scorer for the Bucks in the preseason so far. Probably the player who has improved their stock the most versus where they came in. And, and we will talk about this. Rohan and I will talk about stock uh, at length in our Bucks Stock Market IPO pod. Probably early next week, TBD exactly, but Malik Beasley scoring 13 points per game for the Bucks this preseason, I think was kind of laughed at for the quotes about, he certainly didn't say he would replace Drew Holiday at by any means on either end, but saying he needed to help pick up that defensive slack and, and what Adrian Griffin said about that. He has been guarding the opposing premier guards and he is certainly not Drew Holiday, but I think has probably done better than a lot of people would have imagined with Adam coming in. And I do think that we may look back later and go, that was a case of perfect time, perfect situation, perfect place for Malik Beasley and the Bucks. Because I do think this is a very talented basketball player who had a bad run with the Lakers and didn't get adjusted and was available and needs to prove himself this year on a Bucks team that also clearly needs to prove itself. Maybe less pressure to do so with Dame, but they always feel like they need to go and win one. Certainly, that hasn't changed. And I do think he is a very good fit for this team. I also, he's averaging 8.3 attempted threes per game despite only playing 22 minutes. That would be a Bucks attempts record uh, by far. Do you know who holds it now? I think it's kind of interesting. Per per game? Per game attempted threes. I, why is Grayson Allen on my head when he never No. Sure. He he is uh, what what why when are we talking? What's their time frame? So it's farther back than you'd probably expect. Okay. I don't know. Go on. I, it's, I well, it's, it's probably not that policy. surprising. It's it's Ray Allen. Ray Allen attempted seven point seven in oh one oh two. So that that is surprising purely because the era. 
the volume differences from then until now. Ray has one, yeah. and he's tied for two with Chris. So the, the Giannis teammate who's come the closest to it is Chris with 6.6 .6 attempts per game. So even if – I think I don't know if Beasley's going to shoot that much fewer, to be honest with you. I think that's kind of what he's here to do. Uh, we might see the quickest trigger or the most volume of Bucks. I mean, obviously Dame as well, but I think the – the way the Bucks are going to shoot threes is going to feel different this year with Damon Beasley on the team. But go on, what you're going to say about the the record or anything else, I guess, about Beasley. Uh, no, no, nothing on the record. I really like Beasley. I've liked him as a player basically his entire NBA career. I think this is a great thing and potentially a bad thing for the Bucks. I'm still not sold on him being a starter and being on this role because I think no one has ever been more tailor-made to be one of the best six men in the NBA than Malik Beasley. So that just feels like such a natural, seamless fit for him. Him being a starter, I know there may be very little difference between being a starter or a six-man. We'll find out when guys are playing, you know, 30-plus minutes and who's playing when and what matchups look like at that point. I, I think he absolutely gives them the kind of offensive punch, the offensive firepower that has been missing lots of times over the years another shot maker and i mean a shot maker not just you know someone who it's it's there have been plenty of catch and shoot looks and he's really good at that but he'll create his own shot and he, he won't be afraid to do that too that's great the books have needed that i do think the books probably needed just a tiny bit less now to get damian lillard on the team so my only concern would be how many possessions over the course of the game are gonna end up with quick shots from malik beasley as opposed to Giannis or Lillard getting involved. But he's a really good player. I, the defensive thing, that just feels so, so early to put any stock in. What I will say, like, even when he's forcing, like, travels and stuff, he's so into it. So he's clearly been given the task of, okay, you're going to start to start the season. We feel like you can be a defender. And that's what it's going to hang on. And he is super engaged and super motivated on making plays defensively, where you can see almost every time he does anything positively, he's clapping his hands, he's pumping his fists. It's like if they can get him just that he's that motivated, he's that bought in, and he knows what his season is going to be is going to hinge on that, this could really work out, and he could just outperform what his abilities are defensively. It's a big, big opportunity for him. I think a bigger opportunity than he expected. One, the team is now better than the one he got traded to in terms of personnel. I think his opportunity is a different one too, his role. So, or that he got signed to, I should say. Um, I I really like him as a player, but we'll see. We'll see. There's going to be some elements of that that I think will work out. Like in watching him make all of those trees against the Thunder, I was also thinking, this is the guy that there are going to be games where he's just going to have us all tearing our hair out. He's going to be over yeah. eight, and we're going to be like, just pass the ball to Dame, pass the ball to Giannis, pass the ball to Chris. But the kind of guy that. I don't. I really don't know if the books have had. I've I've seen fans on Twitter from when he was signing him more recently compare him to Bryn Forbes in <laughs> terms of having kind of a quick trigger. Completely different player. Just he can he can do and would if you let him take on so much more of the offense than Bryn Forbes could. He can do what Bryn Forbes did, but he could do more than that. And that's where I guess if we're to take it in a like for like way, where we're like, okay, this was the Grayson Allen spot last year. Now we're looking at Malik Beasley offensively so so much more dynamic maybe he's going to give you more defensively too but there's a long way to go on proving that yeah i agree and i think as you mentioned 
the willingness and excitement to take on the defensive challenge. And just as a quicker player, which is why, you know, I, I think Pat may close more. We'll see how, how the games go. But I think what they really need, to be honest, is someone who can chase around these point guards so Dame doesn't have to chase the premier guard all night. And even if Malik isn't great, like he's clearly bought in, he's going to fight super hard. It's kind of funny. They kind of bought into, it's like an NFL thing, like the traits or the tools or the tools, I guess, over the actual performance. Because coming out of college, Beasley was a guy who projected to be as a three and D player. Like he's got a pretty good wingspan. He's got good size. He just hasn't been that kind of defender in the NBA. But I think if he can just like fight hard enough and get you to, I mean, I think we all assume they're going to add someone who plays defense at the deadline because they always do. Can can we get to that point and then we have some kind of reserves and we can go from there? I think that 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 could work. Offensively, I think it's kind of a a perfect storm or or there's multiple factors. I think a yeah he can definitely do more than a Bryn Forbes or or a Grayson Allen who I think Grayson could do more than Forbes. I think Beasley does a lot more than both. I mean this is a guy who over like a 50 game sample in Minnesota was a 20 point per game scorer and I've seen like oh if you give Grayson those shot. No, like he didn't, he wasn't given those shots. Like he was, he can do something with the ball too, in a way that, you know, Grayson, okay, if you give him a straight line drive to the basket, sure. He's not creating. And I think he, he Beasley can do that more. Also, I think just offensively, the guys in that spot are able to do more this year with how we're seeing them play. You know, we're seeing a lot more offense go through everyone on the court versus, okay, you guys go to the box and space and move around a little bit. And then Giannis and Chris and Drew are going to operate this thing or Ingles or whoever was in there. So I think he's the, the offense is going to play into his hands. And I think his skill set is really poised to take advantage. I like him as the starter for the quickness defending. So I think that's just really that's quietly what they need the most. So even though offensively he makes them dynamic, it may be <laughs> what he can do on defense, even if that's not nearly as appealing, that gets him the spot. Um I liked Bochamp for it, and I think we'll talk about the reserve wing soon, but uh, he's just been too inconsistent for me to be a starter. And I think the worst thing you could put in that starting spot is a player who gums up the offense because they need to be great offensively. They're going to be worse defensively. You can live with that as long as the offense is great and should be. But if you have that fifth starter, you know, your Andre Roberson starter, who's just like, oh, we can ignore him. He's going to travel. He's going to not take a three or brick a three or whatever that's when you get into a bad spot with going for the offense. So I, I don't look at someone who you just don't trust at all offensively, um, especially with Brooke. He can do a lot. I think that they should probably lean toward him more in the dunker spot than just bombing threes. But I, I don't want Brooke and someone else who maybe is going to shoot lower 30s from three versus someone who you know is going to really take advantage. I, I think the other thing that we shouldn't just overthink is like – there was a spot to be won here. Beasley's obviously come into camp yeah. looking good, impressed the coaches immediately, where he's the name they're talking about, even to the point where all of us were like, whoa, this is yeah. these are some weird quotes. But then he goes out in preseason and he's backing up with his play there. So there the books have all kinds of options and the starting lineup could evolve over the course of the season. Like whether it will, I don't think so. But for example, by the end of the season. If Jay Crowder is playing really well, we could see a bigger starting five where Jay Crowder is involved. Pat Connaughton could be in there. If Marjan yeah. took a leap, he could be in there. Like there's there's a whole host of ways that they could go. But Malik Beasley is earning it right now. And I think with the spot open, with it up for grabs, he's gone and he's taken it with both hands. I think that seems like Bodin 
what's played out behind the scenes that we're not privy to and what we've seen on the court as well. So with that, you kind of tip your hat to him. You say, okay, it's yours and, and go and prove it. And for all the other guys who want to go get it, like uh, I personally would have had Pat in that spot to start the year. Pat hasn't looked great from the very little I've seen so far. He doesn't just look sharp where you're like, okay, that guy is ready and at his best offensively, which to your point is the key. Like if Pat is to be that guy, we've got to see a version of him that's shooting 36, 37% from deep consistently over the course of the season. So look, we'll watch all of that play out, but I think Beasley seems to be the guy right now. Like he's got the form and he deserves to be rewarded for that because it was very much an open spot. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I think that's a great point to reiterate is like, you know, as Rohan brought up a lot, you know, the, the pecking order was going to be redetermined now that there's a new coaching staff. And I think we can, we can infer pretty safely that Beasley, you know, did his part as well. I don't, I don't think, it doesn't seem like Adrian Griffin's the kind of guy who just hands stuff to players. I'm guessing you're exactly right that he looked this good, you know, and what we haven't seen as well. And that played a lot into this too. Let's just talk about the big spot before we, we loop back to the wings here. If we're talking about rotation, clearly Brooks going to start. Um, I'm very excited by the zone they're playing. And I think there were some possessions. They still have stuff to iron out. They're still missing shooters sometimes, which is going to frustrate the hell out of people, us included throughout the season. But some of the good possessions, especially against the Lakers, that zone was so thorny. And it was just a nightmare for the Lakers to try and score with Brooke and Giannis, both kind of in that painted area. And the rotations were good enough that there were no open threes. I mean, I don't know if we've ever seen so many like forced travels and and those kind of things as we've seen in these couple of games so far. So I think Brooke clearly was going to be stamped as a starter. We all know what Brooke can do. And I love that they're experimenting him with, in, with him in more different defenses, which I think they had to do, but it's good to see. I think Bobby has to be the backup five, even if it's not ideal. The fact that they're playing more different coverages should help because we all know Bobby is not as great in drop, but I think, you know, moving on the perimeter and stuff does does well enough to stay out there. Um, based on what we've seen from Robin Lopez, Drew Timmy, Marquise Bolden, the last two aren't really on the roster anyway, but those should be the bigs that play along with Giannis is, is what I will say about that and hand it back to you for your thoughts on your favorite position group, the big guys. I think it's an interesting position group. It's a pretty weird one. It's also kind of got some similarities what we we're talking about in terms of starting shooting guard where there's an element of who wants it go get it go show what you can do um i don't think this is going to be straightforward the person you haven't really mentioned there is jay crowder who i think is likely to fall more into this position group um this may be four or five depending on combinations but i, I wouldn't be surprised on what we see and look, I'm not going to go down that road again, but Jay Crowder needs to show us a lot in a whole variety of ways this season. So this could be one party factors into. Bobby's going to have to hold his own defensively. You're right. It's good to see him in different schemes. It gives him a chance to maybe find one that suits him better, but also different schemes is a lot for Bobby defensively. And I wouldn't say it's a guarantee that he will handle that if the book's defense and their their kind of their core principles or ideas are a lot more fluid defensively. We'll have to see Bobby go out and kind of really consistently execute that and fall into that. Um, Robin Lopez is very, very clear limitations. I also do think he was signed for a reason and there's a function for him on this team. There will be games that it's right for him. 
but he's going to have to bring his level up. He's going to have to mesh in. It's going to have to work out. What else? What I will say about that, um, about him against the Thunder starting, which you're right, it kind of it clogged up the offense a lot in parts. There were also spells though where you could see the strong existing pick and roll chemistry he has with Dame, and the fact that Rolo sets really strong screens is not something that I think we should underestimate. And again, this is just, we're going to learn as this team unfolds, because it really is, I mean, kind of a completely new beast in terms of the offense may be so kind of overvalued. If Rolo can lock in and maybe not force things to break down as much as he has at times in recent seasons, I think his screen setting could be something that in kind of short bursts, it's like Giannis is sitting, oh, let's let's go and get Rolo out there to just clear a path for Dane. Um, I really I find it tough to work out exactly in a concrete way because I just think this is going to be matchup dependent it's going to be scheme dependent that's a good thing I mean the books have options in a way that I don't think they did have last year Robin Lopez may ultimately not play a whole lot or may not be much of anything it's a good option I think we'll agree because it's the kind of option the books have lacked at times even just to like spell Brooke for a few minutes here or there, particularly at this age, it seems like something that's, that's pretty wise. I want to see more from Jay Crowder though. I mean, that, that is a given. And I think he's got to play up position wise. and may find himself more here for Bobby. It's, it's tough. Cause even offensively, Dame Malik Beasley, like a lot of things that the books turn to Bobby for, he's not going to get as much opportunity so his defense arguably needs to be better than it's ever been. I think there's there's a good kind of front court rotation in this, but it's going to be in constantly evolving and game to game and who's freshest, who's in their best form, that the books will have to kind of just go with the flow on this and keep reassessing it. The good thing is that there are options. Though. I would hope slash expect we're not seeing Robin as a staple unless probably really just Brooke or maybe Bobby is out. Um, I think the one of those guys is out. That's when we should see him most of the time throughout the season. You know, maybe if they're playing a really big team and they need more size, but I just don't know how many big centers that you look at these days and go, oh, yeah, let's get Robin for a few minutes. You know, uh, like someone like Jokic, I think is just too good and mobile for, for that. Um, but if, if they are having trouble with like a truly pounding center, the three of them that exist, then maybe as a matchup it's decision. Kind, it's kind of up to Bobby. I think to your point, like Bobby, yeah. Bobby has like right of first refusal yeah. on backup, backup five minutes. That's like if Bobby goes out and shows, yeah, he's capable of, of hanging with whoever the center is, the minutes will be his. Yeah. Just based on what we've seen, I think there's valid questions to be had there. And that's probably why they have a Robin Lopez as a security blanket. Yeah. I, I think his defense, people people have pointed out, he's had some really strong defensive possessions in the preseason. I think he, like Beasley, is is more locked in. I think he is also one of the guys who has most noted, like, you know, maybe not meshing the most with the coaching staff last season, especially post Darvin Ham departure. Um, so it seems like just all around, he, I mean, it's one of the things that I've been comforted by is, you know, everything coming out from the guys like Chris Giannis Brook has been very positive about the staff and the changes as well. Not that you expect any of those guys to go like, oh, Scott doesn't know what he's doing. But Brook being energized vocally about the new defense is a good thing because he is the one who probably stood most to lose about any changes in it. But Bobby, Bobby certainly has been like, yeah, this is great. Like, we're, we're all about this. Um, it's a big opportunity for him. I think defensively, as you point out, also 
you know, can Bobby can be just become more of a, a roller with Dame? I think that's going to be a big question as well. I mean, he's not been that. He's not obviously as big as the Lopez brothers, but still a big, strong guy. And I think Bobby just working on screen setting and, and being kind of that that role too could be really good for him as well as we think about what kind of pairings are we going to have, you know, if it's like a Giannis and Brooke combination, which I think you'd probably want to break them apart a bit for the defense. But if there's times when, you know, it's Dame is out there with Bobby at the five, if his screen setting takes a, a step up, especially as it seems like he's become a little more hesitant to rely on his three-point shot. I mean, the the highlight, you know, trip to the rim he had a couple games ago, he should have just shot the three. He ended up, you know, getting to the basket anyway, but it does feel like he's shied away from the three a little bit, thanks lethal shooter. Becoming a better screen and roll guy could be beneficial to Bobby too. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what parts of his game. It's a pretty versatile player, but like what parts does he end up leaning into? What parts are best for the team? It is kind of a huge season though for Bobby Portis in a lot of, I mean, it is for everyone, but I do think his role could morph more than most on this team. He could easily be traded mid-season. I mean, yeah. he was a guy that we thought there was a chance of being traded before the season. So, again, it's a good thing. And Bobby has loved being with the books just about as much as anyone ever has loved being with the books. So the opportunity is there for him to go and continue doing that and maybe actually carve out his biggest role yet. But he's going to have to show some things. I like screens generally. This applies to Giannis, too. Giannis has not always been the best screen setter. Just the books have to get much better at setting yeah. screens. Because if you can just carve open a lane for Dame to get to the rim, he will worm his way through it and he will finish. That's a different dynamic, a different kind of player than they've had. I, I do, again, like this is not me going on some big pro Robin Lopez thing or making the case, but you could just see Robin Lopez has played with Dame and with guards like Dame before, which I don't think is the case for most books bigs. No. Because when Rolo sets a screen, like it's not even, it's not even about him rolling. He's just setting the screen, but the screen, no one is getting through it. He's not moving. Dame is free. Yeah. And I think that that is something that a lot of books players could kind of learn something from. I think it's a rare thing around the league. Like you, sure. you watch most NBA games. Now the the bigs have become so like they shoot, they're finesse, they switch. They they set the fake screens and it kind of drives yeah, me like crazy. Yeah, they're like screens. If yeah, they even just... make contact, I mean, they'll 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 they slip it. You see guys slip every single screen, and if if the slip means you 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 know you leak out before you actually make contact, so it's when you know when slipping first became a thing back in the olden days of NBA, it was like oh you know the team wasn't ready for it. You get the ball down, and it's like a free basket. Now these guys just don't want to be physical, so they just slip all of them, and everyone's used to it. So it's almost a surprise when you do see a Lopez or you know. Steven Adams or one of these guys set a real screen. I think it's an adjustment for uh, for defensive players and for those the offensive players too. So yeah, I think Bobby and Giannis going to the low bro school of screen setting could be very beneficial this season. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Um, let's talk about, let's just jump back into the wing rotation. I mean, we already talked about Beasley. I mean, I don't know, Chris, just like, I still feel fine. I, I hope he plays Friday. I hope we see a dress rehearsal game Friday, given they won't play for another six days after that again. I, I would hope we get to see most of the guys play. We'll see what, what happens or not. Um, they've said he would, they've said he play, yeah. haven't they? Right. So yeah. I, if he doesn't play, then there are questions. Yeah. I'm not concerned right now, but I would be if he doesn't play seeing as they actually came out and ahead of it and said it. Yeah. I, I would hope we see the, the whole rotation for like, even if it's just a quarter, I'll take that. But I, I think you'd want to see the guys play together at least once before, you know, opening night. Is that in Philly or no, is that in Milwaukee? I don't remember now. Before opening night, uh, a game against would- Philly. Who maybe won't have James Harden? As I just saw a report on the show, he hasn't. He hasn't. He's not. Uh, maybe not around the Sixers anymore. Things are going great over there. First, first three games are in Milwaukee. Oh, that's fun. So in Milwaukee, but still against a, a good, a good Philly team against a uh, quote unquote MVP. Um. Oh God, it's Seventy Sixers Clippers negotiate. Stop reporting it. There's not. It's not happening. Nothing's happening. If there's a trade reported, I hate. It's, it's an aside. Anyway. Um, but yeah, hopefully Chris plays then. I mean, clearly when Chris is healthy, he's going to play a lot. I, I think, I don't even know if there's a ton to say. He hopefully can be a little more effective defensively, but on the offensive end, I just think this situation is perfect for Chris. I think we've all kind of known for a while his perfect role would be the wing to a dynamic guard center combo. And we got glimpses of it with Drew Giannis at times, but you know this is a whole new level. And I think Chris is going to be utterly dominant when he plays as basically the third option. He He's kind of in a weird 2.5 situation as a player, I think, where he's a little overtaxed to be the second, but he's overqualified to be the third. So I think he's going to look awesome is what I'm saying when he's healthy, which hopefully is now. And it might just take some resetting of what a good Chris Milton game, what a good Chris Milton season looks like again. As long as he's on board with that, I think that's fine. Like if we see reduced output in terms of just sheer volume but we're getting greater efficiency than ever which i do think is on the table like chris can do that um i think that's a massive win and that should spare him for moments too where if he does need to step up and really up that volume or if it is that it it makes it much easier for the books to stagger rotations and buy some rest or really kind of plot things out for big games or for the playoffs in a better way that he's just a bit fresher and like Chris's health has been an ongoing concern for multiple years now. I don't think that that hurts him either in this regard. The timing just seems, if not perfect, it may like it might be a year late in terms yeah. of when you would have liked Chris to slot into this. It's better late than never, and I think it should work out quite well. Everything he says sounds like he, he's on board with it. So I think if he's on board, everyone else is. Like this is this is gonna be a new version of Chris Milton. I think this is a version that's gonna be kind of somewhere between the Jason Kidd years and the Bud years, Chris Milton. I think that's that's the way to to work it out. He's he's not going to go back to being the the guy he was when he's younger because he's not going to be that kind of defender at this point. Um, and also offensively, he's just got much more in his bag to work with than he did at that point as well. I think there's a version of him that will lie between those two versions of Chris Milton that might actually be the best version of him to watch. Like we've always talked about his game, he's he's looked like someone 
who his game should age very gracefully. The problem has been his body hasn't been aging gracefully in recent years. But if he can get a clear run, if he can be healthy, and with that in mind, like the books don't need to be overpromising. Like if Chris isn't ready to start the season, fine. You should have just wrote him off for that. Let him let him sit out the first month. I don't care. Work back. You need to have him healthy when it matters this year. You need to have everyone healthy when it matters this year. That's the lesson learned. But I am. I'm excited for what Chris version uh, 3.0 looks like. Yeah. I think, you know, we don't, I don't want to do a whole how to stay here because we just haven't seen it yet. But just as you talked, I'm thinking like, you know, in a big playoff game, if the few non-Dame and Giannis minutes are like Chris and Giannis playing together, as we know that works in that setting – and Dame and Brooke, who we just talked about how Brooke can set these great screens and Dame, Brooke, and any three guys who is in the playoff rotation is probably going to be a very good offense while still having Brooke out there. Like, there's just so much that they, they can do to where there's still moments where Chris gets to operate like that, you know, on ball, more involved guy. It's not like he's just going to be spacing for, you know, his 30 minutes a game. But yeah, I think certainly a lot of the time being able to do less but get better looks is, is going to be very good for him. The rest of the wing rotation then. So uh, the Giannis guy we talked about earlier is going to start at the four uh, to to cover that. And the Dame guy is going to start at the one. We can talk about backup guards. But Pat Connaughton, who I, I think offensively has looked fine, you know, a little up and down with the shot. I think he's shown some driving stuff. He's had some bad drives, but he's clearly trying to do that more, which I think is probably in response to just what the offense is and what they're going to want him to do, which I think is good. Pat's been a a malleable player over his Bucks tenure, and it's served him and mm-hmm. the team really well. Defensively, I, I can see why they went with Malik. And I'm not saying Malik is necessarily better defensively, but Pat has not had a great defensive preseason. And I, again, I just don't think he's quick enough, and his strength hasn't showed up either. I think he tries to not foul, I think, very determinedly. That's not really a word. But and I wonder if that's not going to be as in vogue with the new coaching staff. That that was really a bud thing. I think it's good generally for a wing player to try and not foul and, and give up those shooting fouls. But Pat, it maybe goes too far. That I mean, there's some of these Josh Giddy possessions from the Thunder game. He's just like got his hands up, kind of just like backing up. And guys are just like getting to the rim. And it's like maybe trying to do something else. I mean, this is looking a little too easy for, for Josh Giddy at this point. Josh Giddy's really good. I'm not saying you should clamp Josh Giddy. But some of the resistance was a little too not existent. So I, I think he's going to have a really good season. Again, I think everyone's going to benefit playing with Dame. Apparently, he's trying to dunk more, which should be fun. I think this could be a guy who backdoor cuts really well. Um, but I, I think Pat's going to be in the same role Pat is always in. Uh, and I think it's going to be good again. I think he's a good, good first wing player to have come off your bench. For sure. And I, I think the, the versatility you talked about and – I guess really how that's worked for him throughout his book's career to date. We will see Pat at the two, at the three, and at the four at times this season. Like So his just overall well-rounded game and that versatility kind of pencils him in as one of the first guys off the bench in your rotation. Pretty much guaranteed. No matter who else is kind of getting nudged out of your rotation, Pat's going to have a really strong case unless his own game kind of falls off completely. Which, I mean, it has happened at times. We've seen him briefly fall out of the rotation. It happened last year um, at one point. But uh, he generally works his way back in even from that spot because he's pretty solid. You are you know what you're going to get, and he can fill in at multiple spots. Definitely. So 
And we you talk, touched on boss man. I think he's going to play mostly three and four. Um, I, I think he's looked pretty good. He shot the ball well. I think he's saying the right things. He's going to have to prove it to people. I know there's certainly boss man doubters. I think he's going to have a good season, but he does have to come out here and play well for long stretches. He's certainly in a position to do so. I mean, they they definitely need him, right? Like he is able to step up right now and be one of the premier wing defenders on the team. And if he can do that, then he's going to have a spot solidified for the playoffs. I think it really is that simple. It's kind of like some other guys we've mentioned. The opportunity is there for him to say, oh, I can do this. And if he does, and if he can be kind of, you know, Wes Matthews of a couple of years ago, that's great. I think they're going to look for defensive upgrades at the deadline. Anyway, uh, again, John Horst does this every year. He can always use one more. Uh, but I think Bossman, again, it's the opportunity thing. He's got the opportunity. He's going to have minutes. I think he's certainly one of your first eight or so players that's going to play in every game. So we'll we'll see how he continues to to play in those spots. I'm one of the, the biggest skeptics of this there is. Um, I personally wasn't all that keen on having him back. He's got to go and play well, and he's got to play well consistently, not just, oh, wasn't that a great game he had? He's a guy who just has to look like he belongs and look like, uh, frankly, a younger version of himself, a version from earlier in his career, night in, night out, week in, week out over a long stretch of the season. If he does that, he's a really good player who's going to be incredibly valuable to the books. Don't know if it's still in there. Don't know if it's still in there. So he's going to have to show it. And I don't, I think he's aware of that. Like he's heard that. He's pissed off about it. I mean, he's it. playing on a vet minimum. I, I think he pretty has no choice but to be aware of that at this sure, point. Sure, but that's you've got to you've got to go and you've got to answer that. You yeah. can't just be annoyed at that. They're the facts. He was bad last year. You know, the books would have been a lot better off if he was even remotely good. I don't think he really had the gripes that he feels like he had about not playing. Great that he can spin that whatever way he wants to for himself and a new coaching staff. Like if genuinely. That's great because if that gives him motivation and allows him to reset, that's fine. Whatever works, we're all for it as long as it works. Yeah. Um, so I guess before the kind of the rest of the wings, because this is a mapping out the rotation. So let's quickly recap. Obviously, Dame, Malik Beasley, we agree. And I think most people have been pretty plugged in. And most importantly, Adrian Griffin agrees. Stamped at the starting two, at least for now. Chris, when he's healthy, will be the three. Boss man's filling in until then. Again, hopefully... Friday is when that ends, um, but that that's what it's going to be when when Chris is back in the lineup. Giannis and Brooke, of course, and then off the bench, the key the key bench cogs seem to be Pat, Bobby, as as they've again been for years. I think you can add Crowder in there for the skill set. Uh, I think he there's he could be jostled for that role. I don't know if it's really happened yet. And then the next guy I think who is going to play a lot is Campaign. So the backup point guard. I was pretty. Like, not overly excited about the addition of campaign. And even though he shot really poorly in the preseason, I, I get it now. And I'm just like, yeah, that's a good, that's a really good addition for the price point. At the point in the year they got him, having to give up nothing because of the way the Dame trade worked out, the roster spot kind of just fell to them. And they said, campaign, do you want to play here? And he said, yes. Another guy who, I mean, this is literally everyone they've added in years, which is nice, but just super motivated, super focused, seems like really aware of the gravity of the the opportunity here and really excited to be a part of the culture. I think he had some of the best quotes on coming into the Bucks and what it's like um, and just their focus on the championship and how positive everything is. I think he was tired of Chris Paul and or DeAndre Ayton stuff happening on, on the Suns, which who, who could blame him for that? 
Um, but he's really quick. I think he's one of the quickest Bucks guards we've seen play. Uh, I think he's going to be on and off shooting the ball, like in three preseason games, 21% from the field, 16% from three. I think he'll have weeks like that in the regular season too. That'll drive Bucks fans crazy. He's probably the streakiest offensive player, but also averaging five assists in just 18 minutes in that time. And I think the way he gets to the second level and distributes from there is going to be a real boon to this team and something they really have not had in quite some time at the backup guard spot. So he's won me over to an extent. You know, he's not going to be a great defender. He's pesky, but he's just kind of small. Um, but I like what he brings, even though I know there's going to be weeks where I pull my hair out, hair out because of him. Uh, I, I like it a lot. I think in terms of the kind of signing you're going to have at this point of free agency when they signed him, and the role that's there for him, I don't honestly think you can do much better. As you said, really quick, like a heads up probing point guard. That's kind of something different. The Bucks haven't had too. Certainly, someone like he—he's got skill. He's got legitimate ability where he can come in and play some real minutes. Um, but I—I I do think he's a nice kind of fit in terms of uh, that heads up element that I've always felt with him, where it's like. He's the kind of guy you'll see him go down the baseline. He's surfing around. He's looking for the pass. Who's cutting? It's like if if the Bucks can get to a place where they have much more motion in their offense, something I'd really like. Don't know if we'll get there, um, but we'll see. I think he could be We're a closer. really nice fit for that. We're closer we'll, to there, we'll, I think. We'll we'll see. I'm all all judgments reserved till we see some real games. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. fair. Um, Let Terry cook. If if they can if they can do that, I think he's a nice option off the bench. You will give some quality minutes, and you will score points. That's what this team is going to be about. It's an adjustment for all of us, but it's going to be even when you know some of your best players are sitting. It's like those other guys need to keep the scoreboard ticking over. It's not about shutting down for like four minutes and then Giannis or Dame come back in. It's scoreboard's got to keep going, got to keep going. Looks they're an offense first team now. Um, whether they want to or not, like I really, I doubt Adrian Griffin went to his interview and was like, "My vision for the books is to be an offensive first team. We're gonna outscore <laughs> teams." <laughs> they went, "Congratulations, we got rid of Drew Holiday, and you've now got Dame Lillard." So that's that's who they are. That's who they've got to be. And I think Payne is a good fit for that. And also, like he's been there. He's we he's literally been there when the Bucks on a championship. He got to see it up close and personal. It's not insignificant. And uh, Damon Lillard, like, he's probably likely to miss some games. He has some recent seasons. Yeah. With his age, you wouldn't be against him missing some games, kind of selectively here and there, too. Payne is a good enough point guard where it's not, like, completely out of out of the blue that, whoa, this guy has to start a point guard. The Bucks have kind of needed a backup point guard since uh, basically every time they've had to <laughs> trade George Hill. Yeah. Um, and I think they've they've got one who's solid. It's not something to get carried away on. He's not going to be perfect, but I think it's as good a fit as you can hope for. I would agree with that. So then with that said, we've got a top nine starters, Pat, Bobby, and Jay Crowder, and then Campaign, who is just makes a lot of sense and is going to play, and you just need point guards, and he's, he's good enough. He's earned that, I think. Um, who plays backup point guard? I don't know if we'll get to on this podcast. I've... I've liked what we've seen from Ty Ty Washington more than Lindell Wigginton, and we really haven't seen the other two-way guard Amari Moore so far. We'll see if those spots change at all uh, between now and, and real game starting. But then we've got a 10th spot. If the Bucks do decide to go 10 deep every night, we don't know if they will. We don't know really what the rotation will look like. Again, there's been 
a lot of Robin Lopez and Thanasis Atetokounmpo involved, so we haven't seen the real Buck starters, contrary to what the Oklahoma City broadcast crew may believe. That, that broadcast was just... I, I mean, I, there's like different broadcasters to people's tastes. Yeah. They were just factually wrong on so much stuff. And that's I, I not think, something uh, you, you find with a broadcaster. AJ Green from UConn, I believe, was one somebody let me know. I think I missed in the action. Uh, they must have gotten in confused with Andre Jackson Jr. It was so, so much that so I was like, that's just wrong. Like, yeah. just basic books details, not even complicated stuff. I know. I, if, I was like, oh, if you, you know, don't know Malik's a starter, that's fine. But it's like... Robin Lopez and Orthanasis out there. Yeah, this is their projected starters. Ah, I sure hope should we, not. Should we have a TA conversation? Obviously, he's playing quite a bit. And yeah, I mean, Rohan, I, I believe, isn't here. He, his, his head he might, might just pop on. Yeah, any he might pop yeah. into the Zoom here. Uh, he's just going to sense us talking about TA. Yeah. This might just be preseason. It probably is just preseason stuff. Yeah. He, he's playing quite a bit, though. Yes. And I, I think it's only relevant because it seems like Griffin is leaning older. He's leaning experience. He's actually not just going to the young players like we thought he might have been. Um, so I'm pulling up now. TA is 15 minutes a game, which is only 13th on the team. It feels like more. Prob- who knows that's how a, much that's a lot. That's, a, that's lot a lot for, for TA. TA. That's a ton for TA. I won't argue that. Um, I just, I think there is a small chance he plays a little bit in some games. I think Chris being out makes it a lot more possible, but he has gotten in before these young guys pretty regularly. I, it frustrates me when he does, even in this preseason, because I really want to see more Andre Jackson Jr. with the Bucks primaries because he has just blown me away, and I've seen on, on in our Discord, GSPN Discord, find the links and subscribe to all our shows and everything at uh, gspn.info. Uh, very lively, even during preseason games. I've been blown away by how many people talk about the preseason. I mean, uh, people are chatting on Discord and on Twitter, like late fourth quarter, like AJ Green is going off, and it's like lively. It's We've come a long way as Bucks fans. Um. But AJ Green has really blown me away. And I, I'm just more interested in seeing him than Thanasis. Thanasis is playing Thanasis ball pretty well for all things considered. And that's Thanasis ball. He's playing pretty well, finishing around the rim, defending hard, not fouling as much, although still almost three fouls per 15 minutes, which is a lot, obviously. Um, he has a chance to play more just because it's a new coaching staff. I just have to think that other players will earn that opportunity over him. And if they don't, that's pretty damning on the roster. There was that great play in like real close quarters under the rim where Giannis found a way to dump the ball off to Thanasis against the Thunder and then Thanasis couldn't finish it. Like, yeah. That's that's kind of Thanasis. It's like all the energy is there. I can also, I can see really clearly how if you're a new coach coming into a team and you're looking to set a tone, you're immediately going to be like, oh my God, I love this guy. Yeah, especially if like, you're a defensive coach who loves defense yes, and grit. You want intensity, you want grit, and everything you're saying, it's like, quite literally, if Adrian Griffin is saying jump, Tanasis is saying how high, and he's delivering on it. So there may just be an element of that too. He's just, he's not very good. It's just, he's not very yeah. good. I, yeah. It's it's only interesting. I don't I don't think he's going to factor in, but it is. It's not like there's any young player who's really getting notable minutes here to the point where you're like, well, that guy fits into our rotation conversation. I think 
two, three months ago when we would have mapped this out. Obviously, some things have changed since then, but we would have thought one to two young guys certainly had the opportunity to play some real minutes. And now, whether it is Marjan or it's Andre Jackson Jr. or it's AJ Green, I don't know. I, I think there's there's good reason to want to see all those guys playing to try and work and develop on that. Whether the minutes are going to be there off the kind of the starting line, I don't think so. That's not the worst thing. I, I think again, going back to the Malik Beasley thing, there's elements of this. Where it's like, okay, well, it's a it's a blank page. Like, who's got it now? Who's showing it now? And that will evolve as the season goes on. But I, I do think there are some young guys to be intrigued by, if not even just flat out excited about on this team. Yeah. I don't know how much of them we're going to see early in the season. And if the books are good from early in the season, that might mean how much of them we'll see all season. So I don't know. That's kind of I, it, that's kind of a bummer. But at the same time, it's like this is a team that's trying to win a championship. And you have a new coach that's trying to come in and set down a template for how they play. All of that kind of does lend itself to you're going to lean more towards the experience. But we are still in a place where, you know, for role players, sorry, the books do need to develop some of their guys. And yeah. that needs to work its way through. So I don't know. The balance has to eventually come out in it. I just don't know if we'll see it from the jump. I think there's going to be one rotation spot for a young guy to start. I think it's going to be Marjan. I think he's gotten first crack. He's just been inconsistent in the preseason. He's probably had the highest highs of most of the young guys. I mean, Andre Jackson, you just had some really great moments and, AJ Green is shooting 83%, I think, from three. Yeah, 83.3% from three in his two games. I just absolutely bombing away. Uh, love to watch AJ play. Uh, I mean, hey, if you want to talk about you need a uh, plus NBA skill to get minutes as one of these unheralded guys, he's he's got it. There's there's no question. Every time he gets major minutes, he's knocking down a couple threes. The consistency, given how inconsistent his opportunities are and what he does in them, I think does stand out. I do think. If you want to talk about replacing the the Bryn Forbes kind of role, you've got a guy you can do that too for sure. Um, just an absolute bucket and obviously much bigger. An intriguing player. I do wonder if he'll get any crack. But I think Marjan's going to be 10th to start. Uh, he's just been inconsistent. I think Andre Jackson Jr. or A.J. Green could push him for that. And I think we won't see more than one of them at a time probably unless until there's – oh, you know, someone's got a sprained ankle, someone's resting tonight. Like, I think that's what it's going to be for these young guys is there's probably enough room for one of them to really play as the 10th guy, not a big role, depending on what happens. And then as just attrition throughout the NBA season, that's when we'll see more of them. And obviously late in the game, if it's out of hand one way or the other, I think we'll, of course, see them. But I'm guessing it's going to be, you know, it's really going to have to be these limited opportunities. Like, can you come in and, and find a way to earn a role even without playing a bunch consistently. Uh, Marjan has seemed like maybe, maybe not. I, I just, I've been pretty disappointed with the lack of consistency. Andre Jackson looks good. He really looks like he's like total flip from summer league. And I think it was just like the spacing and the quality of player around him. He's a guy who really, he needs his teammates to be good and know what they're doing. And summer league teams are not conducive to that. Even in the preseason though, like, he just fits. He figures it out. You, you just find yourself not as worried about the shooting. He hasn't shot well, but he he figure, he knows what to do. He's not a black hole offensively who kills their flow. And defensively, he's been one of their best defenders. I mean, the athleticism, the, the focus on that end. Griffin has said he loves defense, and that's rare. I think that's a really important endorsement from this particular coach to that player. 
I kind of think he has the best shot out of all these guys here to end up with a real role. If for no other reason than they just really need more wing defense, and he may be able to provide that at a better level than any of these other guys at the at the back end of the roster here, uh, even as a rookie, which is pretty impressive to be honest. Yeah, I mean Marjan has the year of NBA experience on him, but some of the concerns. I mean Marjan looks bigger, but he's still a pretty slight frame. Like Andre Jackson Jr. looks like he can go out there and take care of himself, and that's been the case so far. Um, he just makes plays. Both ends, he will just make plays. As you kind of alluded to, it's just about finding a way. It's not like all the pieces are there and it's all really smooth and he's kind of got the perfect game for this or the perfect game for that, but he's just going to go there and make winning plays. It's a real Swiss Army knife kind of feel to his game. Something the Bucks haven't had a whole lot of. Um, and they've really, on occasions where they've had anyone who could do any kind of part of that, they've really valued it. I the play where he poked loose for the steal and then he had to dunk against the Thunder, like that's the kind of thing you're really impressed by early on. But he's just got a nose for the ball. He's really hungry, really smart. Seems to have a good sense of where he is on the floor at all times, what's happening, who has the ball. Like just great awareness that he's making plays off of that. Very early, I won't get carried away with that out of preseason. So we'll see how that pans out. But I do like what I see there. I will say more more than maybe what I liked out of Marjan early last year. I think there's no doubting like the ceiling for Marjan, but there's there's a lot of work to be done to get there, and a real chunk of that has got to come on the offensive side and finding real consistency. Yeah, the ceiling is not going to be anywhere near as high for Andre Jackson Jr., but the path to being a guy who's like a really good eight man on an NBA rotation from for a long, long time that seems quite clear to me. I I think. If he sticks to what he's doing and he just makes plays, makes an impact every time he goes out there, like I can see that playing out. That would be great for the books. Whether he gets a whole bunch of time to do it this season, the answer again is still probably not. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I really like a lot of what I see there. And apparently, uh, according to Sam Vecini, who loved Andre Jackson Jr. coming out of the draft, like UConn people raved about like who he is as a person too. So just a lot to like about what what the rookie provides. And I think... Bucks using pick 36 on an old rookie guard. It's undefeated, man. We'll see. Uh, and then quickly, uh, Chris Livingston, I think, just needs to just quicken up everything about his game. I still like what he does. He's got a great nose for the ball. He's not going to factor in this year. I think he's closer than I expected with the 19-year-old rookie, you know, coming out of Kentucky who who is just not super polished. I think there's a lot to like, but uh, I would expect a lot, a lot of time in Oshkosh to work on those things year one, which is good. I mean, it's... It, I think that's a good use of a roster spot is to say we like this guy. We think he can contribute for us. There's clearly no rotational room for him right now. So let's get someone who we think in one or two years could be a real useful kind of big defensive guy who rebounds. And I think the Bucks could use players like that for sure. He's going to do great getting all his media reps in with Ty Windish. I'm going to talk to He'll Chris Livingston a lot. <laughs> He'll be more than ready for uh, NBA interviews by the time Ty is done with him. Yeah, I think that's fine. And that's, you know, there's there's no problem with that. The fact that you end up with those two picks and you get those two players and there's a lot to like about both. You kind of want one of your picks to be that kind of player and to go and work on the development. And you know what? Maybe it just clicks and hopefully it takes off at some point. And then he's an entirely different prospect. Um, but I'm in agreement with you. And I think a fun player, an exciting player for people to watch with her this year. And it's uh, a nice thing, especially with, with Ajax, the new rookie, the second round pick 
uh, contract exception. So four-year deal now for him with the Bucks. whereas in the past, without an, a different exception to use, they would have been very limited to how long they could sign him uh, off rip. I think that's going to be a big benefit to all these cash-strapped contenders going forward. I think these second-round picks are going to be a huge commodity. To tr- when you can find players you feel good about, like the Bucks clearly do with uh, Andre Jackson Jr., that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, the two ways. I am sad we haven't gotten to see these guys play more. I, I, I don't know anything about Amari more. Uh, we haven't seen him. We didn't really see him in summer league either. I don't really know what's up there. Um, I think Ty Ty coming in probably changes things. But again, it's not like he had a big opportunity anyway. I think Ty Ty has been the most impressive. Lindell has just been flashes for me. But I would like to see a little more consistency given his level of experience in pro basketball at this point. Um, I, I think there could be minutes for one of these guards in the games where Dame sits out and then campaign is your starter. It's just that like at least they'll be on the bench, you know, waiting to potentially soak up point guard minutes. Um, I would say Ty Ty is, I guess, the leader, but I think it's all to be determined in Oshkosh based on how little we've seen them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's realistically it's it's going to be Ty Ty. I would still be somewhat skeptical. They'll probably get the call. They'll be on the bench, all yeah. right. But if if Dame is sitting out and you've got campaign healthy, and let's say Chris and Giannis are both healthy too, like the books would get by just fine on yeah. that. And I, and I bet they that's exactly what they look to do. Um, I don't think this season the two way players are going to factor in very much at all. I, I, think, I think it would take honestly one of less them... than less than we've seen for a number of seasons too. Not that the books have been the most kind of uh, two way focused team to begin with. They've really they've they've never had a guy break out from the two way to. I guess AJ Green is the closest. But he's still not really a rotational player. They've never really – some teams you see the two-way like break out into the rotation. You have to figure out what to do. Bucks have not had that situation. I think Ty Ty has the potential, but the way the roster is built, I would be pretty surprised if it happened this year. But, I mean, if he is going to come down to Oshkosh, up to Oshkosh and you know, average like 30 and 5 or something, maybe, maybe that does turn heads. Um, you know, It's not easy to do. And when that's happened in the past, it has been kind of the situation where – you know, you've got your Drew and George Hill, you know, for a Frank Mason or Jalen Adams. So they still didn't really get a Bucks opportunity. I think Ty Ty, you look at what he's been able to do, I think probably has one of the best chances of a Bucks two-way guy to break out. But I agree with you. I think assuming most guys are healthy, they'll be able to fill the playmaking hole with Chris and Giannis, even if Dame is sitting out with campaign in there. So don't think it's going to be a, a direct uh, pathway there. Is that it? We covered basically. I don't think we need to do exhibit tents. I'll save that for a herd podcast. Um, not not super exciting. People love Gortman. Um, we have seen him play for five minutes in the preseason. So he's an exciting guy. Not a two way player <laughs> at this point. Exciting though. We'll be glad to watch him in Oshkosh. I think he's a good exhibit ten. Um, but Adam, any any final thoughts on the Bucks rotation outlook or your other thoughts on the team here? No, I'm excited to get it started, but I I think just I'll reiterate what I started with. I think patience is part of what I'm trying to bring to this book season. I think it's easy. The urgency of everything is undoubted. The disappointment from last year. It's easy to want it all to happen now and even more so with the excitement everyone's got. Like, yeah, we want to go out and see Giannis and Dame both of 35 each on opening night and to run the Sixers out of the building. It just may not go like that. It might take some time. I think we just at this point, we're all experienced. We're all veterans of playoff runs and 
trying to build a run towards a championship. Thankfully, we've seen one. I think if the lessons are to be taken from that one, it's that this thing gets decided in April, May, and June. There can be some variance to it. There can be a lot of good luck. It's about the books just working it out. Working it out. This is a new team, new coach, new players. Just every day to fall into like so many of the cliches that books players have loved for so long. Get better so every day, long. Adam. Get better every day, Ty. That's, that is actually what I want to see from this team this year. Um, I understand it won't be that linear and there will be ups and downs outside of that. But I, I do think that's that's got to be it because it's not impossible with this caliber of players that this thing clicks and they look great early on. I think the odds are probably slightly against that, though. I do think there's enough change here that it might just take a little bit of time. Now, saying that, lots of other teams around the league have a lot of change to deal with or a lot of dysfunction to deal with as well. The Bucks, as always, don't really have the dysfunction to worry about. So that could just net out that yeah. way of everyone not hating each other or having all kinds of unresolved issues. Like the Bucks being a very feel-good place right now maybe that makes up for some of what hasn't quite been worked out and that could lead to some wins where they're not even at their best. We'll see, but I'm prepared to be patient and excited for what's to come. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I do think, I wonder if it's just more jarring to us because we're used to the Bucks being so consistent for years at a time, whereas the rest of the league, it is pretty normal to make these pretty major moves every so often. I guess a team like the Cavs was pretty consistent year over year, but most of the time there are the big moves. But you know, I, 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 when you were talking about you know just getting better every day, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I'm glad that's what the Bucks mindset has been, and you know, Giannis and Dame and Adrian Griffin and John Horst, pretty much everyone has been like, you know, it's going to be a process. Our, our goal is, you know, to be at our best in April, so that's what we're working toward. Everything else, and you know, contrast that to uh, now controversial Calvin Booth quotes, and there's a lot of them, but the one about if everything's optimized, we expect to win three to four titles. That was one I looked at maybe the most and just been like, oh, I, I don't know why. Again, maybe who knows the context or whatever, but um, I, it reminds me of uh, Julian Edelman quoting Bill Belichick on the uh, the uh, New Heights podcast, the Kelsey Brothers. And Belichick would see like someone on another team talk about their goal as the Super Bowl before the season. And the, I, I'm not even going to try and do the, the Edelman-Belichick impression because it's too good. But basically he said, and this has been just living rent-free in my head. Super Bowl, it's bleeping March. How about we just get better? And I'm like, yeah, I think that's a pretty good. I'm, I'm glad the Bucks are with Belichick on that one. Not a great year for Belichick right now, but I do think that is the right mindset to have. I do think that's the way to go. But anyway, just my two cents on talking about how many titles you should win in, in October. Even look at LeBron, you know, the big unveiling when he went to Miami, the yeah. not one, not two, like, they won two. That's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. And it still kind of gets hung over when it gets made fun of for just how many you're racking up. So yeah, you've got one. Be happy with that and just focus on you win the next game, you win the Get next better. game. And eventually, that maybe that next game is to win you that second championship. Yeah. Hopefully the Bucks are in that situation uh, come, come June. Uh, we've covered a lot. We went through the whole rotation. Anyone still listening, thank you. We really appreciate it. As Adam said... Winning six, coming back, Eurostep, ramped up. We're going to be doing a lot this season. People really like the uh, live post game. We'll have to see if we can integrate that more. TBD on when. No, we will not be doing every game at all because <laughs> it's just way too much. It's 82 of them, folks. But 
We will be covering the Bucks very thoroughly, so please subscribe, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your podcast platform of choice. We will be back very soon with more Bucks content ahead of the season and, of course, covering, again, not every game, but thoroughly throughout the Milwaukee Bucks season. Pod random, and we will talk to you next time. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.